0: For thousands of years, every morning and evening, Jewish people have prayed these well-known words as a way of expressing their devotion to God. They are called the Shema. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. And as for you, you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your strength. We are going to look at the word soul. The Hebrew word is nefesh. It occurs over 700 times in the Old Testament. The common English translation of this word is soul, and that's kind of unfortunate. Here's why. The English word soul comes with lots of baggage from ancient Greek philosophy. It's the idea that the soul is a non-physical, immortal essence of a person that's contained or trapped in their body to be released at death. It's a ghost in the machine kind of idea. This notion is totally foreign to the Bible. It's not at all what nephesh means in biblical Hebrew. The most basic meaning of nephesh is throat. Like when the Israelites are wandering in the wilderness, they're hungry and thirsty, and they say to God, we missed the cucumbers and melons we had in Egypt. Now our nephesh has dried up. Or when Joseph was hauled off into slavery in Egypt, his nephesh was put into iron shackles. But nefesh doesn't only mean throat. Since your whole life and body depend on what comes in and out of your throat, nefesh could also be used to refer to the whole person. Like in Genesis, there were 33 nefesh in Jacob's family, that is, 33 people. In the Torah, a murderer is called a nefesh slayer, and a kidnapper is called a nefesh thief. On the first pages of the Bible, both humans and animals are called a living nefesh. And if the life breath has left a human or animal, the nefesh remains. It's just called a dead nefesh, that is, a corpse. So, in the Bible, people don't have a nefesh. Rather, they are a nefesh, a living, breathing, physical being. Now that might surprise you because most people assume the Bible says the soul is what survives apart from the body after death. And while the biblical authors do have a concept of people existing after death, waiting for their resurrection, they rarely talk about it. And when they do, they don't use the word nephesh. So even though nefesh is often translated as soul, the Hebrew word really refers to the whole human as a living physical organism. In fact, this is why biblical people can often use this word to refer to themselves and It gets translated me or I. Like in Psalm 119, most translations read, let me live that I may praise you. In Hebrew, the poet literally says, let my nephesh live that it may praise you. By using nefesh, the poet emphasizes that their entire being, their life, and their body offer thanks to God. In the Song of Songs, the young woman constantly refers to her lover as the one my nefesh loves. And of course, love isn't just an intellectual experience, it's an emotion that activates your whole body, your entire nefesh. This helps us understand the brilliance of other biblical poets who could combine multiple meanings of nefesh in one place. Like in Psalm 42, we read, as the deer pants for the water, so my nephesh pants after you. My nephesh thirsts for the living God. So on a physical level, your throat can be thirsty like a deer's. But then that physical thirst can become a metaphor for how your whole physical being longs to know and be known by your creator. Which brings us all the way back to the Shema. To love God with all of your nephesh means to devote your whole physical existence to your Creator, the one who granted us these amazing bodies in the first place. It's about offering your entire being with all of its capabilities and limitations in the effort to love God and to love your neighbor as yourself. And that's the Hebrew word for soul.
1: All right, you get all that? <laughs> Say it with me. I am a nephesh. You probably never said that before, have you? We don't have a nephish, We are a nephesh. It's an, our entire being. That's what we're going to look at this morning. Before we jump in, just a little reminder again for those of you that might be new or newer to our ministry. We've been watching these Bible project videos and for some of you, you're like, wow, that's way too fast. I didn't get all the writing. I couldn't see it Clearly. There's too much to take in. I can't take notes on it. Um, You can go to the website, thebibleproject.org. You can go right there and just look it up on YouTube, and you can watch the same video. This is the Shema series, and you can watch all of the videos in the Shema series that way. So just a little reminder that way. Also, just uh, where we're going the next few weeks, uh, I asked Pastor Buzz Hannon to kick this series off. And I've asked him to wrap the series up. So next week, he'll be back in the pulpit sharing on the word meod, which is the word strength. And just a little spoiler alert, it's not what you think it is, okay? Going to be a lot of fun next week. And then, during the month of August, I typically step out of the preaching slot. And I've asked Pastor Danny to bring us a series. And he's been working on a series called Godspeed, which is tracking the Holy Spirit through the uh, book of Acts and partnering with the Holy Spirit. What happens when we partner with the Holy Spirit to see God do amazing things in our lives. So that's going to be the series in the month of August. And then we'll be back in September with a brand new series we're going to be doing on the fruit of the Spirit. So it's going to be a lot of fun. God is going to be doing great things. And I uh, hope you're tracking along with us on that. Hey, we have a great morning in store for us. And this is going to be a little different for us this morning. Uh, here's what's going to happen. I'm going to take us through an accelerated teaching time this morning. And what I mean by accelerated, I'm going to do a 30-minute message in less than 15 minutes, okay? That's what I'm going to do. And then I'm going to introduce you to someone who I think really has modeled uh, in a beautiful way what it means to love God with your whole soul, with your whole nephesh, okay? And we're going to have a little interview and a little time with that. And then we, if we've got uh, enough time at the end, we're going to have some time for personal confession and repentance, Uh, Because so often in our lives, we just don't stop and realize that in the shortcoming of our lives, God loves to hear us say, Lord, we agree with you that things need to change in our lives. And we're going to have a few minutes just to really let the Holy Spirit do some working in our hearts. Amen? Are you good with that? Okay, you sound very uninterested right now. All right. So if you haven't already done so, uh, find your outline. You can get ready to take some notes, and this is going to be fast. This all comes out of Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 and 5, and hopefully you know it by now. Say it with me if you do. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. We want to talk this morning about this idea of soul. What does it mean to love God with our soul? Many topics in the Christian life are what I would consider layered topics. That means they're a little complex. There's a lot to talk about. And when it comes to loving God with our heart, soul, and strength, I would say that's a layered issue as well. And when, it th- when we think about the idea of loving God with our soul, with our entire being, that every ounce of our lives, every square inch of our lives is devoted to loving God, I think there's a couple of things that we need to understand. First of all, we need to believe some things. And it starts with what we think and what we really believe in our lives, and then it kind of comes out through the expressions of our lives. So if you're taking notes, I want you to think about, first of all, some things, really important things that we need to believe if we're going to love God with all of our soul. Okay, say the word believe. I want you to believe a few things this morning, and these are going to go fast. Number one, we need to believe that our lives are truly in God's hands from beginning to end. It starts with that. It starts with understanding that God has a purpose for our lives. God created us for, for himself to be used in what ways that he wants to use us. We were made by him and for him, right? Colossians 1.16 says, everything in creation was made by him and for him. So you have been made by God and you are made for God, amen? Yeah. You are made by God and you are made for God. It starts with believing that God has you in his hands from beginning to end. Psalm 139, 16, Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. God has our lives in his hands from beginning to end. It starts with that. You are not the captain of your own soul, you're not the chief of your own destiny. You are in the hands of a God who created you for himself. Number two, our lives are embattled by the flesh and its relentless pull from what God desires. That's something we need to believe. We need to believe that there's something broken in us that only God can fix. And all through our lives, there's this relentless pull away from what God desires for us. If I'm going to love God with all my soul, I've got to realize that there's a battle about that. There's a fierce battle that goes on. And what you can do, you got two options. You can choose the option of I'm going to ignore the battle and just go with wherever the river flows. That's the way most people live their lives. Or we're going to settle in and engage in what God desires for our lives. And we're going to turn around in the stream and we're going to start swimming upstream. And if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, that's what you and I are doing. We're swimming upstream. Does it feel like that sometimes? It does, doesn't it? Because everything in the world is against the current of what God desires for you and for me. Jesus said, if your right, eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out, throw it away. It's better for you to lose one part of your body than the whole body to be thrown into hell. Now he's talking about something radical here. Jesus points out that the flesh causes our desire, the desires in our hearts that are actually the culprit of the soul itself. In other words, uh, everything that is sin starts in the heart. And so Jesus uses hyperbole to warn us that a radical thing has to happen to to deal with this relentless. Whole in our lives the radical thing that needs to happen is we need a relationship with the living God through faith his spirit must come into our lives and that's where we can begin to understand what it means to love God with our soul and so Paul writes in Romans 6 he says just as you used to offer yourselves as slaves to impurity and to ever-increasing wickedness so now offer yourselves as slaves to righteousness leading to holiness amazing number three our lives are precious to God. We've got to believe that our lives are precious to God, who alone is capable of meeting all our true needs. Did you hear the little gal on the video today? We've got all got wants, but God can meet our needs. I can't have always what I want, but I can have what I need. This is God's promise to us. Your life is precious to God. That's why Jesus said, therefore I tell you, don't worry about your life. The word life there in Matthew 6, where Jesus speaks these words, the word life there, the Greek word is suke, which is the word that we get psychology from. It's really the parallel word to the Hebrew word nephesh. And so Jesus says, when it comes to your life, don't worry about it. Why? Because God knows what you need. Don't worry. Number four, our lives were purchased by God for the dwelling of his spirit. Our lives were purchased by God. That means that God has made an exchange His life for our life so that we could have life. He takes his life, pays the penalty for our sins. And that's why Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 6, 19, Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you've received from God? You are not your own. You have been bought with a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. Now the word body there is soma in the Greek, and I think that that's also a parallel to this idea of the nephish, because what the New Testament is talking about when it talks about our bodies or the life that we have is our, the totality of our being. And so God wants us to know, God wants us to remember that we have been purchased by God. We are no longer our own. We can't claim ourselves for ourselves any longer. And so here's a big distinction of what it means to be a Christ follower. It means that it's no longer my plan, my will, it's God's plan and His will for my life, right? And that's where everything gets really sticky in our lives, where God says, no, that's not for you, or no, that's not healthy for you, or no, that's not something that I want you to participate in. We say, yes, Lord, because we're not our own anymore. We have been given a new life and he has purchased us by the blood of his son Jesus Christ. Lastly, number five, our lives are true expressions of worship that God desires on account of the mercy he has shown us. In Romans twelve one, that's why Paul writes, he says, offer your bodies to God. In other words, offer everything you are to God. So, what do we need to believe? We need to believe that our lives are in God's hands. Number two, we are embattled by the flesh. Number three, we, have a, we, have, we are precious to God. Number four, we are purchased by God. And number five, our bodies are the expressions of worship. We've got to believe those things if we're going to love God with our nefesh, with everything in our souls. Now, there's some expressions that come out of that. In other words, it's not just believing, but how does this stuff find its way through our lives? And I'm going to give you just a a bunch of stuff here, but it's all about the expressions of how this comes out in our lives. Number one, if you're taking notes, all right, what I want you to see, all this can be traced to the ways we express ourselves in daily life, okay? So it's the daily life we're talking about here. Number one, we express ourselves by the words we speak. We've been expressing ourselves all morning by things we're saying to the people around us. Jesus said, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so, what's going on inside our lives, the nephesh, is going to come out through the words of our lives. Okay? The words of the reckless pierce like swords, Proverbs 12.18 says. But the tongue of the wise brings healing. I like Proverbs 12.25. Anxiety weighs down the heart, but a kind word cheers it up. Proverbs 15.1, a gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Our words are a reminder of who's in control of our lives, what's going on in the nephesh, our bodies, who we are. Okay, number two, we express ourselves by how we deal with worry, by how we deal with worry. Now, this sounds a little weird for a second, but think about this from the sense of what worry does to our nephesh. Worry and anxiety uh, pull us down, uh, creates physical issues, mental issues, psychological issues. And I love Psalm 94, 18. When anxiety was great within me, your consolation brought me joy. So, again, the expression of my life shows how I deal with worry. What are you worried about today? What's going on in your life? What are the things that are, you know, bumping up into your spirit? How you express yourself in those situations is a way of loving God with your soul. Your words. How you deal with worry. Here's another one. How you deal with weariness. Anybody tired here today? Well, if you were on the high school camp or junior high camp this week, I bet you are. If you're exhausted, you need a nap. Some of us are just absolutely weary of life. We're weary of people, demands, expectations, deadlines. We wake up in the morning. We check our phones. There's a flurry of texts that need to be answered. There's there's uh, emails that need to be responded to. And oh my goodness, if we get onto social media, it just can weary our lives. And the, the whole point of what I think the scripture is showing us, Psalm 62, 1, truly my soul finds rest in God. My salvation comes from him. Truly he is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I will never be shaken. So I'm going to love God with all my soul when I cast my my weariness on him. When I trust, and like Clay mentioned this morning earlier, that Jesus promised, he said, my burden is easy, my load is light. So come to me, find rest in me. Beautiful promise of scripture. Here's another way we, we love God in our expression. We express ourselves by the way we work, by the way we work. All of us, most of us are working. We're gonna head back to work tomorrow. Some of us are going to back to work later today. We've all got jobs. There's things that are, pulling at us, um, and I figure most of us in our jobs, there's things that are good about it, things that are hard about it, but listen to what Ecclesiastes tells us in verses uh, chapter 9, verse 10, whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might, for in the realm of the dead where you're going, there is neither working nor planning nor knowledge nor wisdom. Wow, that's a, that's a good little reminder. <laughs> Colossians 3.23, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. So remember, when you go to work tomorrow, if you're going to love God with your soul, the way you work is a way of loving God with your soul. And some of us are going to have a hard time at work because we look at our boss as our boss, and we need to fire our boss, and we need to put Jesus Christ in the place of our boss, and we need to work for Jesus, and we'll be the best worker in our company. And then your boss will say, what happened to you? (laughs) You know? So this is is really important. If we're going to love God with our nephesh, our soul, we're loving God by the way we work. Here's another one, number five, we express ourselves by the way we worship. By the way we worship. Psalm 1 bless the Lord, O my soul. That's nephesh. Bless the Lord, all myself and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. I love what Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 10, 31. He says, whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God. Everything you can do. You can wash clothes to the glory of God. You can wash your car to the glory of God. You can mow your lawn to the glory of God. Whatever you do, Paul says, do it to the glory of God. If you're going to love God with your soul, everything you do is an expression of loving God. That's amazing to me. Number six, we express ourselves in the way we live. And if you just, I kind of goofed this up, actually. I I would put that as our walk. Our walk. all these are W words, and I sometimes get stuck on this kind of stuff. But we express ourselves by our walk, by our choices, our behaviors, our morals, our values. I like Proverbs 22, 5. In the paths of the wicked are snares and pitfalls. But those who would preserve their life stay far from them. By the way we walk, the way we Uh, live our lives, our sexual ethics. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 6, 18, he says, flee from sexual immorality. All other sins a person commits are outside the nephesh. But whoever sins sexually sins against their own nephesh, their body, their existence, their self-existence, who they are, the key aspect of who they are. And so it is God's will that we be sanctified. Loving God with our soul is living Sexually pure, choosing properly, choosing uh, direction in our life that honors God. Number seven, we express ourselves by how we wait for the things that matter to us. What are you waiting for today? Some of us are waiting for a physical healing. Some of us are waiting for the career that we've been working at. Some of us are waiting to pass an exam. Some of us are waiting for the right person to come into our life or for us to be the right person for someone else's life. We're waiting, we're waiting, we're waiting. And the Bible tells us that if we're going to love God with all of our soul, we should love God in the depths of our waiting for him. That's why I love what Psalm 130 says, out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord. O Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to my cry. I wait for the Lord. My whole being waits. And in his word I put my hope. So these are simple ways that we ex- find expression in our lives. And if you want to sum it all the way up, if, in fact, if you're taking notes, I would add one more. I would add one more to that list, and I would say, by what we're willing to do for God. If you're going to love God with your nephesh, your soul, you need to ask yourself, what am I really willing to do for God? All right. Well, there was a 15-minute sermon, okay? Now, now I want to introduce you to somebody that um, has been a real blessing to me. You know, she, it's funny how you meet people in our church. You know, th- this gal has been in our church, uh, I think, for about a year or so. I'm going to ask her some personal questions about that in a minute. But, uh, you know, a while back, she gave me a book. She handed it to me in the lobby, and sometimes people give me books, and uh, and it's kind of cool when I get a book from somebody, and they say, hey, would you read the book? And I'd just like to know your opinion about it. And to be honest, sometimes when people hand me books, you know, they're 500 pages, I'd just like to get your opinion about it. I think, you know, no, I don't think so. You know, like, like, I've got lots of stuff to do as it is. But anyway, she hands me this book. She didn't say read it or anything. She just said, I wanted you to have this. I took it home. I started reading it on a Sunday afternoon, and I couldn't stop. It just grabbed my heart. And... Uh, so, I want to introduce to you to, believe it or not, Cinderella is her name. Cinderella, would you come on up and let's welcome Cinderella. <laughs> How are you? I'm good. It's nice to see you. Thank you. Have a seat. Why don't you sit right there? So, this is Cinderella Fosberry. Cinderella, what an interesting name. Yeah. What does what the name Cinderella mean?
2: Cinderella. Yeah. Uh, cinder means ashes.
1: Uh-huh.
2: And Ella means uh, bright. Bright. So we go through ashes. The Lord allow the ashes so we will shine the light of Jesus through it. Oh,
1: I like that. That yeah. reminds me of uh, Isaiah 63 where he says he brings beauty out of ashes. Yes. That's yes. a beautiful thing.
2: And this is why my mother called me Cinderella uh-huh. in a country where people did not know Cinderella.
1: Yes. So get yeah. this. So uh, tell us where you were born.
2: I was born in Iraq, Baghdad, Iraq.
1: Wow. So you grew up in Iraq. About, uh, give me a period of time, uh, during the time when...
2: Uh, uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I was born 1977 in Iraq, and after that, uh, since 1980, our country went through war after war after war. Mm. So I grew up in war in a country with 99% Muslims, yes. So and I grew up there, yeah. Yeah.
1: So your mom, a believer in Christ, yeah. I believe, she... She raised you to know the Lord Jesus? Yes. And so when did you give your life to Jesus?
2: Uh, when I was six years old, uh, when I was growing up, my mother, we didn't have Bibles, we didn't have churches. We had only one small church. Uh, so she tried to find a Bible. She, start, she found a Bible, started reading it, accepted the Lord as her Savior. And since that moment, she still tell me, the Lord have put us in this world, created us to live for only one reason, to love him, serve him. And honor him every single day in our life. This is our purpose. Even if it will cost us our life. Which was the case in my country.
1: Yeah, so, wow. So, just give us a little window. What is it like to grow up in Baghdad?
2: Yes, uh, so after accepting the Lord Jesus Christ, I know the price was high. Uh, But there is a song in America we sing, I love it so much. It will say, it will be worth it all when we see Jesus. And whatever we go through, one day it will be worth it all. So when I was 11 or between 11 and 13 years old, uh, there was planes coming and bombing our country. Uh, We couldn't go buy food or medicine. It was the first war with the United States. So we couldn't go. Uh, to buy necessity of life if we get sick we just stay sick if we are hungry we stay hungry and then sunday comes and my mom says cindy we are not waiting for the war to finish and everything gets safe and then go to church we are going to church so she grabbed me from my hand Walk two to three hours to go to church just to love Jesus and worship Him and be with believers. And when I told you we walked the way there, sometimes here in America we say, oh, the weather is bad, it's raining, (laughs) we cannot go to church. Or it was not raining in my country, it was bombing. I saw dead bodies beside my leg. I saw fires from the buildings. I saw the planes coming. And my mom, we are just walking fast. And we were singing to the Lord, and we knew that the Lord is holding our life. Yes, we saw the bombs. Yes, we saw the fire. Yes, we saw the war. But we saw God's hand protecting us and being with us. And uh, he controls everything.
1: Wow. Wow. You know, I mean, that. just want to stop there for just a minute and talk about that because I think like you said, in America, we look at so many reasons why we shouldn't go to church or we, it's not convenient for us. But here you are, you're walking two to three hours. And you know, I like to compare that to like finding a hard, finding a parking spot in a, in a <laughs> church parking lot. But you, you walk two to three hours and you would see pe- bodies, mm-hmm. uh, dead bodies. Yes. You would walk through all of that, you would get to a church. And then what was it like for the people in the church when they gather in those kind of circumstances
2: Yes, it felt, it, like? it felt something like I felt here in Three Crosses. It didn't feel like a church. It felt like a home. And this is a place where I felt it's like a home. And I want to encourage you. Like we when we got together, we were just so hungry to the Lord. We were just loving the Lord, worshiping, praising, taking, because we couldn't have everyone have his uh, copy of the Bible. So we tear parts and then exchange them. So we used to exchange, oh, I read this, you know, I read the book of Psalm. can you give me John? <laughs> so they give us John. And, so, oh. and we appreciate that. And I want to encourage you today in a country that the Lord has given you church and Bibles and a pastor and teaching and worship team. You are so blessed. We are all so blessed in this country. Oh. And we have to not take it for granted. We have to just... Show the Lord how much we appreciate what we have.
1: Amen. Wow. Thank you for that. Amen. Wow. Thank you. Amen. Thank you. So, so Cinderella hands me this book. It's called Overcomer. I love the title. Uh, we are more than overcomers, the Bible yes. says in Romans Proposed. chapter 8. Yeah. And uh, so I'm reading through this book and I come to chapter 3. And it stopped me because... Uh, you know, I pray for people. I pray for people around the world. I pray uh, for people with great influence. But you had been praying for somebody in particular. And you say in this chapter, you say uh, that the Lord kind of stopped you and, as you were praying and, and said to you that you need to stop praying from a distance and you need to do something. Tell us about what that was and who it was that God wanted you to speak to.
2: Yes, uh, in our country, the, like all of you know Saddam Hussein. Uh, the president of Iraq before the last war. And one day his son, Uday, the son of Saddam Hussein had an accident and he went to the hospital. And while he was in the hospital, all people were so happy. Like even Christian were like, yeah, he deserved that because he used to do a lot of evil to people come somewhere, cut heads, uh, uh, explode people, kill children. So he is known for his violent thing he he do to people. So when he had this accident, the Lord told me, Cindy, I want you to love him and pray for him. So that was the easy part, you know, praying for people. So I started praying for the the Lord to bless him, to save him while he's going through this accident. Uh, And after a few days, the Lord told me, Cindy, I want you to go and share the gospel with him. And I said, Oh, Lord, I can't do that, you know? You, because I know they will kill me. We are not allowed to have prayer meetings, so I know I'm gonna be killed. And so, hold on, how
1: old are you when this happens? Uh, 19.
2: 19, okay. And then I said, Lord, you can send pastor, you know? <laughs> he serve you, he can die for you, but not a young.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, thanks well, a lot, yeah. <laughs> throw me right I under get the an bus. I
2: idea. <laughs> no, but this is why I'm sharing this, because sometimes we wait for pastor to do things. Mm. But here is what the Lord said. The Lord said, "No, Cindy, I want you to go." Lord, I'm young. I don't know any. I cannot. I don't know how to speak. I I want you to go. All he wants from us is for us to say, "Yes, Lord, I will go." And when I went that night and prayed, no one believed me. Like, oh, this crazy teenager wants to go and make us all killed because, for sure, he was going to kill me. And then, in that moment at night, while I was on my knees, and the Lord told me, "Cindy, the real dangerous thing." It is if you stay at home. It looks safe. It looks you are between your family. You have your normal, uh, comfortable life. But that is the real dangerous, not to obey me and not to be in my will. And the real safety thing to the Christian life is we go dangerous places between dangerous people, but we are obeying the Lord, and we are in His hand, and in that moment, I said, yes, what is the worst that could happen? You know, they can burn me, cut me into pieces, but praise the Lord that nothing can separate us from the love of Jesus Christ. That thing no no, one can take away from us.
1: Mm -hmm. Amen. Yeah.
2: So, you
1: decide, I'm going to go. Yes. And what happens then?
2: So, when I go there with a big bag with Bibles, you know, I gather these Bibles and tracts, and so I went to the door of hospital, uh, the closest I can go, and they said, you know, policeman with guns, gun machines, I said, what do you want? I said, I need to meet Mr. O'Day. So they said, you? I said, yes, me. They said, oh, you cannot. It's impossible. So long story short, they were like really not letting me go in, and then I said, okay, I'm going to tell you the truth. God sent me and told me I'm going to meet him today, So they both looked at me and said, do you mean God, God, Allah? I said, Allah is in our language, you know, God. So I said, yeah, I mean God. They said, are you sure? I said, yes. And immediately it was a miracle. They believed me. They called the hospital, said, God sent someone. We have to let her in. And then.
1: (laughs) Hey, I'm going to remember that. That's, That's good. (laughs)
2: <laughs> and uh, yeah, if there is somewhere you can go and just say, God send me. It was, <laughs> yeah, but it was the right timing, and a lot of prayer was on that day. And then the car came, and the car started going in the hospital. And if you see me in that moment, you will say, Wow. How a strong Christian going to die for Jesus, giving her life for Jesus. But that is not the truth. <laughs> the truth is when that star- car started going in and I'm seeing all the faces of Saddam Hussein's family, the, the government, uh, these people who killed Christians. I was not only scared, my legs were shaking. I was like really shaking in the car. And in that moment of fear and weakness, the Lord told me, why you are scared and shaking to meet the son of a president? Why you are scared and shaking to meet the son of Saddam Hussein? You are the daughter of King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And in this day, (laughs) and in this day, I want to encourage you. I don't want you just to hear a nice story and go home and wow, that was nice. No, I want to encourage you wherever the Lord sends you, in this church, in this community, in Castro Valley, in areas around, in your work, in your school, don't be afraid, don't be shy, don't be discouraged. You are the children of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, the most highest, and He will do great things. If He did it in my life, in a country that I could be killed any minute for my faith, then He's going to do it greater. Greater things are yet to come in your life, in Amen. Jesus' name.
1: Amen. Okay. Amen. <laughs> I tell you. I- I think you could probably preach a really great message. <laughs> We're going to have to have you do that. Okay. So, so you get in there, so you're in the hospital. Yes. You go to his room.
0: Yeah.
1: What happened when you walked in his room? Uh,
2: so I go to his room, give him the Bible, and then before I start sharing He, like, we judge people, oh, they are so bad. But he was so broken. He was so needing Jesus. This is the problem. This is why they are so bad, because they need Jesus. And then we don't need to be distanced from them. We need to share the love of Jesus with them. So he took the Bible, and then he said, before talking to me, he said, "Uh, God... Talk to me. And he opened the Bible and started reading. And it was a great message. It was Psalm 119. And then he kept reading a whole page or more. And I was like, amen, amen. And then I shared the love of Jesus Christ and how he can restore his life and give him salvation and after that meeting and he agreed on everything I said and he prayed with me. After that prayer I was still in shock like I'm not sure what's what's going to happen next and then after that two times on the public TV in Iraq a country who don't believe in Jesus uh, Uday talked about Jesus the son of God who was crucified for his salvation and also he gave food and medicine to all Christians around Iraq, support for a few months. So all the people who laughed at me and sa- said, oh, your God, this is not from God. God cannot do this. Now they were taking medication and they were taking support from the government. So our God is good and he did, that was a miracle. That, that,
1: that uh, yeah. is amazing. So, okay. so one of the, I loved how in your book, you said people ask, so do you think Uday Hussein, you know, came to know Christ? And I love how you said, well, you don't know because God only knows, and how so many people are gonna be surprised when they get to heaven to see. I I remember hearing someone say once that um, one of the most common things said in heaven are gonna be, who are you and where's so-and-so, you know? (laughs) Because we're gonna be just kinda mystified by that. Yeah. Um, Wow. Did you know, I, I was researching this a little bit, did you know that today is the anniversary of Uday Hussein's death? Today.
2: Oh, really, July no. 22nd, wow. 2003. Yeah, I don't know. So I thought how
1: interesting that the Lord had it for this moment today to hear a little bit of your story. Now, mm-hmm. you talked to some other interesting people and yes. we don't have time to go yes. into all of them, but you give us a couple of others that you talk about yes. here in your book.
2: Uh, I shared the gospel after that with the president of Sudan, Omar al-Bashir, which he was also a killer of Christians. He's still the president of Sudan. After sharing the gospel, he made a new law in the country that they are free to go share the gospel, give Bibles. Still, there is... Uh, killing people over there because the people but the law says as a Christian you are free and they cannot touch you or hurt you after that meeting it's in the book wow. and with the king Abdullah I prayed for him for 10 years even I lost hope that one day I will meet him but keep praying in 10 years 20 years the Lord will bring to pass everything that he has promised to your life so I met him after, I think, maybe 10 years of praying for him and shared the gospel. And there is other stories also of uh, uh, personal stories of, uh, you know, uh, my, my uh, sons. Son. Yep. And then I went to jail because of my faith. Like when you were asking what it yep. takes to go to church. I was going to church in Jordan. It was yep. like 15, 20 years ago. Even less than that, sorry, 15 years ago maybe. And they took me to jail. But in that, uh, do I have one minute? Yes, I will end up with Please. this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> When they took me to jail, they started spitting on me. I was pregnant with my first son. I was so sick. And when I was walking, like it was a long way from the uh, like office to the jail cell. And then I questioned the Lord. I said, "Lord, why I am They told me they are going to kill me. They were spitting and hitting me. And I was like, this is the end of my life. And every step I took to that jail cell, I was saying, "Lord, my cell." I was thinking of myself, my family. My, uh, my church, my Christian dreams, Lord, I was going to serve you. I was going to love you. I was going to, I was doing that. And now I am going to jail. And with every step, I was just thinking of myself and my dreams and my life. And then as soon as that door of the cell jail opened, I will never forget that. that this door opened and the voice of the Lord came to me and said, welcome to the ministry of Jesus Christ. You want to follow me? Carry your cross and follow me wherever I take you. I brought you here. And it was not a jail. It was like, wow, it was worship. I was witnessing. People were getting saved. And then to a season. Your pain is for a season. But enjoy the season. Worship God and love God, even in your brokenness, in your hardest season. And he will make a miracle after that and deliver you. Oh, my
1: goodness. Wow. Wow. Okay. So... What a beautiful, powerful example of loving God with your soul, your nefesh. Um, Cinderella is gonna be out in the lobby today and her book is for sale. And I want you to know that I, I hope every person here will buy her book today. Um, it, it blessed me, it touched my heart. I'm so grateful for you for it. Um, I wanna pick up more copies to give away to friends. You may wanna get a couple of extra copies. Paperbacks are 14, hardback is 22. But I want to just, you know, this sounds a little bit commercially, but, and I know Cinderella doesn't want me to say this, but this is a support to the ministry that God has given to Cinderella, and it's a ministry to her own personal family. Uh, This book has come out. It's a long story how it's come out, but it's a beautiful blessing. It's going to bless a lot of people. It's on Amazon, Kindle. You can do it that way, too. But buy a book this morning. Would you do that? I hope everybody, everybody, nobody can leave church without buying a book. (laughs) Cinderella, thank you so much. We love you. God bless you. Thank
2: you. God bless you.
1: Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, we're going to just take a few minutes as Clay comes. Clay, I don't know if, yeah, come on out. And we're going to just sing to the Lord. And let's let these minutes be a time of consecration in our hearts. We need to say, God, send me. Take me to places. You put a burden in my heart. Don't let me squash those burdens. Don't let people squash the burdens. I want to be a witness for you. So let's, let's ask the Lord for forgiveness, for just protecting our own interests, and let's open our hearts to where God wants to send us and what he wants to do in our lives. Amen? <laughs> let's stand together and let's worship the Lord.